Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? Now, do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother, Wesley. And today we're talking about Disney Pixar's Brave. (laughs) Brave's cousin, Apple original film. Dances with Wolves. Wolf Walkers. The Last Unicorn. (laughs) It's really funny that you say that because as soon as I saw that opening four shot, I heard in my mind, I'm alive. (laughs) I'm from America because, dang, that looked pretty darn Last Unicorn-y. Dude, it's not even an American movie. Princess Mononoke. Uh, are you just naming random animated films now? No, films that this movie steals directly from. How to Train Your Dragon. But I, you know, coming off of watching Spirited Away with Paloma. So you're still cuddling her to comfort her from the awfulness and horror that is Spirited Away? <laughs> well, Spirited Away is no Princess Mononoke. But yeah, I watched Spirited Away and No Face is like, uh, uh, and being super <laughs> creepy. And then I put her to bed. And then turned on Wolf Walkers, and uh, it seemed really tame in contrast. Avatar. (laughs) The Avatar parallels ran deep. Well, it was Avatar was supposed to be a riff on Dances with Wolves. It wasn't supposed to be, but that's what a lot of people compared it to. Mm. Wolf Walkers, available on Apple TV. Ironically, the least Apple TV looking Apple yeah, I, was, TV Plus. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to be <laughs> like, oh, at least this wasn't all shiny in 3D. In fact, it was really flat and 2D and had weird shadows that made the characters look transparent. Did you know that this is the first 
animated feature entirely animated and created by wolves. What are you talking about? It just, it feels, it could have been a 1960s Charlie Brown. You know, you're an Irish wolf, Charlie Brown. <laughs> like, this has a timelessy feel because it's, well, I was going to say it's set in a timelessy time, but it's actually set in a very real time, which confused me. The opening lower third is like, well, this is a so-and-so Ireland in 16-something-something. Is there a historical reference for this story? So there's a lot about Irish history in this movie. It's based on a fairy tale or based on a tale whereby the English move in and the, the Irish are driven away or driven off their lands. And in this case, it's just adapted so that they become wolves. They embrace the wildness that they've been subjected to. I figured there was some kind of indigenous peoples being run off their land kind of metaphor happening here where they live in harmony with the land and <laughs> had shamanic spiritual sensibilities. Had you ever seen a cartoon saloon animated feature? We had the Secret of Kells and the Uprising of Brigadoon or something. I don't know what the other one was. I think I saw the Secret of Kells. I mean, that was back Man, in memorable, huh? 2009, so... So it really struck a chord. Well, it was a while ago. 11 years ago. Did you know that this is actually the first animated feature created entirely on an iPhone app? I think you're really old, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so does one defend this type of animation, this kind of execution, based on, on what? On loyalty to a hand-drawn style of animation that's... I guess, a dying art? I think you judge the format of the animation on its appropriateness for the story. And it felt appropriately old-timey for a story set way in the past and sufficient to convey the magic, I guess, in a way that felt more tangible or, or tactile. I did have some beef with it, though. There were some shots that they returned to that I was just like, I don't even know what that is. That image is so flat that... Oh, is that the wall? The weird grid on yes, the wall? Yes, the weird overhead of like, I'm guessing the walled city. There were a couple of repeat images that were so flat and um, out of context that I was like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. And even if we were misinterpreting it, I never got a sense of this world spatially because it kept changing. It was a stylistic device that was disorienting and it kept me from being immersed. And a lot of the time I was literally looking at the lines. Mm, I was, I you know, the rough style animation and evoking this idea of maybe motion or blur or wildness, you know, strong, hard lines. There were unnecessary lines that extended past the borders of the animated figures. And it was a stylistic thing. But then it would go to a close up of that same thing. And the lines would be even more jarring where you would it where it wasn't it almost wasn't a close up feel. It was almost a push on that particular frame. Hmm. And I don't think that was the case, but that was the style that they were evoking. And it made it really hard to be, I'm in a world of 17th century Ireland. Yeah. The animation felt almost stubbornly flat. Like they used lighting design and effects in the forest, which had more dimensionality because of it. But it felt like they did not use lighting in the city settings and it was just so flat that it was confusing, especially when we got into action scenes in the cities where I was like, I don't even know what's going on. Well, that was because nature good. 
city bad. The colors popped in the forest. It was supposed to be more visually appealing, and the colors were kind of muted in the town. Definitely a stylistic choice. Do you feel like that good-bad dichotomy extended? Like, if nature good, city bad, like, did you feel like the wolves were good and the people were bad? Yes, that's what you were meant to think. It's why I compared it to how to train your dragon. Dragon's bad until the uh, headstrong child goes off into the wild and encounters a dragon and at first is afraid and then becomes friends and then begins to understand that the dragons aren't bad and looks back and in fact the father is bad and the humans are bad even though they're trying to protect and you know I'll bet you they're going to reconcile their emotions at the end and they're going to find a commonality. It seemed a little bit more nuanced than that. I mean, it was probably more along the lines of Last Unicorn, where it's like, these wolf walkers are the last of their kind, and they're misunderstood. Did you know that Cartoon Saloon had a contest where whichever animator could complete a wolf feature the fastest, that's what they were going to throw up under the title of Wolf Walkers, and that was going to be the movie? I don't know like, what I can trust from you anymore. Is that, is that true? It, if that seems plausible, we have a problem. <laughs> well, wolf I liked, Walkers maybe has a problem. I guess there's lots of wolf movies, but I thought that wolves were a nice animal to explore in an animated film. I remember back in the day when I shot my film Smokey. Shameless plug. We had to cast a, a wolf, but of course you can't cast a, a full wolf. We had to cast like a half wolf. And Mariana went on and on about wolves. She like went to like a wolf preservation and like spent a day like petting and rolling around with the wolves and stuff. Like she was a huge wolf fan and she totally like preached the wolf doctrine where she was just like they're smart and they're so intelligent and they're so beautiful and they're so loyal and they're so misunderstood. I thought that wolves were a complex kind of animal that are fe- you know, feared and kind of wild, but, you know, they were obviously fiercely loyal to their wolf walker and, and uh, just wanted to kind of live their, live their little peaceful forest lives. Sure. I mean, I worked on a pit bull show and everyone doesn't like pit bulls, but it's all in the training for dogs. I came to appreciate that dog. Yeah, maybe it's just the wolves being strong and fierce when they need to be, but also loving and nurturing is, you know, it's horrible to compare a group of people to animals. It rarely goes well, but in this case, kind of appropriating this tale and having the wolves represent the Irish that are driven away by colonialism, if that's the theme, it's not our national kind of consciousness, but wolves maybe could be apt. I had no problem with the wolves, and I, I guess we're supposed to align ourselves with the wolves or the sensibility that Robin comes to appreciate. Let me tell you, Robin is a character way more interesting as a wolf. Yeah, because she was just like kind of a like a little blonde girl. Yeah, she was kind of annoying up top. And, you know, I get it. She's like all precocious and she's adventurous and she's feeling really hemmed in by her new place in life within the walled city. But like she was kind of grating and the movie really dragged until she turned into a wolf. And then they got that great cue in and they're like wolves and they're running around and you're like, oh, okay, I can, that little musical montage really breathed new life into this film for me. And that's when the story actually started to pick up. 
Interesting. So Peppermint Patty was strange because she was not she, her when when Robin first encounters the Peppermint Patty wolf, she's all doe-eyed and sweet and like, oh, look, I'm a good wolf. You have you can trust me. I'm a wolf. And then she follows her because she's looking for her bird. Right. And then when she gets back and Peppermint Patty turns into a girl, then she's like mean and I'm a bite you and like way meaner than her sweet wolf, which was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and like all crawling all over her mom and stuff and like Arr! it was strange and then she did get much sweeter and apparently the thing that most people pick up um, from this movie is the relationship between the two girls unlikely pals who really find a kinship and run around the forest as young girls of old did i guess uh, it doesn't really happen the same today are they unlikely i mean they're both like kind of wild at heart no but they look so different. One is little. One is big. One has big hair. One has little hair. One, has one is fierce. Eyes, one is one meek. One has green eyes. Look, the simple <laughs> themes of this movie can't be avoided. You have to come to terms with what this is going to be. Because if you're looking for deeper meaning or tying it to Irish folklore or just the Irish struggle in general, you're only going to get so far. Well, yeah, I mean, it's simplified for its audience. This is for kids, right? Uh, yes, and the creators said as much. They said that they wanted to make a movie for kids about kids, and that was the case, certainly. But also, as this project developed over something like a decade in total, from inception to completion, they also grew into, as they called it, middle-aged men themselves, and had to continually remind themselves that they were indeed making a movie intended for kids. Mm -hmm. Well, Strange. It's, Long it, gestation for a movie like this. It's a little protracted for for even even animation but animation takes a long time it's interesting to note that they had to remind themselves who their audience is because i feel like there's a lot of four quadrant pressure on like pixar films where they have to have those easter eggs for adults or that kind of b story for adults where you know it's kind of okay for a film just to be a film for kids right i wholeheartedly agree it can just be a simple theme for kids. And that's hard for me, an adult male, to not get down on a movie about young girls for young girls, I guess. Especially if you're forced to watch it by your fiancé. But made by middle-aged dudes, I should add. Right. But sure. Did you know this movie was actually made oh um, when they they went through the no. trash and found really? rejected storyboards for Brave and they just colored them and animated them? <laughs> Like, I just know whenever you come out with, did you know? I'm like, no. So seriously, though, when we were watching this movie, I jacked the volume repeatedly. I'm like, it, am I sitting on the remote? Did you experience a bad <laughs> audio mix? Um. Well, we're kind of... Was it just because it was Irish? <laughs> we are constantly writing the sound... When there were big differences, discrepancies in the mix, it's it drives me bonkers because we watch we're watching these things at night when the girls are asleep, and then then they're talking like this, and then bam, there's like this huge car crash, and you're like, oh my god, and you have to like ride the volume. <laughs> so I guess I'm used to it, and I didn't notice it. It happened when they stole the food from the guys at the cart, and they're like, her, 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 her. and I was like, what? <laughs> and Kelly was like, was it English? <laughs> and we had to repeat it. We backed it up several times using the Apple TV's awkward rewind feature that I'm not, not accustomed to yet. Yeah. And then we had to turn on the subtitles just to find, just to make sure what was happening. Yeah, there were a couple and, of moments and, like that. And then it didn't match up at all. But that's not their fault. That's our fault. You know who's got a great accent and is perfectly understandable? The only recognizable name in this movie? Sean Bean. Ned Stark himself. 
Uh, no, he's Boromir, you infant. Uh, I was like, why does this thing reek of Game of Thrones? And I was like, oh, Sean Bean. And, Boromir. And I don't even know who that is. And Oh, my God. Ned Stark has such a wonderful, soothing voice. And his his dad character was so sweet. I mean, he was a little bit, there were a couple of lapses in his judgment. And he was a little bit indulgent with her. Like, you kind of have to put on the iron glove every now and then. But Bill, was his name Bill? That's weird. <laughs> uh, they called him um, Goodfellow the whole time, but the Bill right. Goodfellow dad was the sweetest dad ever. Like he'd be mad at her, but then he'd just be like, "I'm just mad at you because I'm afraid," or "I'm like I'm mad at you because I love you." And it was so sweet. Well, yeah, he wasn't as brusque as stoic the vast in How to Train Your Dragon, but still just as loving. This is one of the few movies that Sean Bean, do- spoiler, doesn't die in. <laughs> The only thing, the only part of Sean Bean that died in this movie was maybe his career. Aww. You, you, I had to work it in somehow. You didn't like Wolfwalkers. Why are you hating? You were the one that wanted to watch this thing. Well, because Kelly wanted to watch it. And I, and she was like, so why didn't you like it? And I could feel a little bit of the sting in her yeah. when she was asking me what my issue was. And yeah. I'm so I've been trying to figure it out. Here's what I came up with. Um, bear with me here. You know those dudes like downtown in Vegas or something and they get down on the ground and they spread out their blanket and they create mystifying, magnificent spray paint art using the lids and all of a sudden there's a planetscape and you're like, whoa, you do the thing and you make the moon like that and you do like the flicking technique to make the stars crazy. You know those dudes? 100%. Have you ever bought one of those things? No. How come? I'm cheap. Wasn't it cool? It was totally cool, but and maybe if I like turned on the black light and toked out, it might be cool to have on my wall, but I don't. Undoubtedly, Wolfwalkers would be better, I think. I'm told, I'm guessing, if you were stoned. But nobody <laughs> buys those things because it part of the experience is watching it on the street. It's not art, really. Kind of, I guess. But it's a kind of street art that requires the story to make it appreciable when it's on your wall. Because you'd be like, this is interesting. And be like, dude, I was in Vegas and this dude, he was like, wah, twah, flash. And like all of a sudden there was artwork and I was like, whoa. And I had to buy that. And people would be like, so, but you then you framed it? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like performance art because you don't know what it is. And then they like scrape their last little tool across the thing. And you're like, oh, it's outer space, yo. Right. And all that is amazing for memes and YouTube videos. But does anybody hang that art on the walls? Yes, you put it on the wall right next to the Margarita Eiffel Tower. So, I mean, it's kitschy and it's unique, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's enduring or satisfying. You go to a craft fair and there's a guy with a beard sitting amongst all these chairs he has out front. And you walk up to him and you're like, wow, these are cool because they are cool. They're ornate and they're and he's like, yeah, they're hand carved. And you're like, wow. That's amazing. And he's like, and it tells, if you look, the detail and tells the whole story of Ireland. And you're like, whoa. And he's like, it took me six years to make it. And I'm only asking for that much effort, $1,500. And you're like, no, not maybe. I mean, it's, it's, that's so cool. And then you walk away and you get a corn dog or a churro or something. And Kelly's dad 
used to build all kinds of crazy stuff, dog sleds and amazing stuff, really dedicated craftsmen who learned over, you know, decades and stuff. And one day, no jokes, he made an airplane from scratch. Like a RC or like a, I'm going to no, get in the cockpit. like a fu- and... fully functioning airplane that he was going to fly. Spent a lot of time building it, collecting the parts, putting everything in. And you're like, dude. Like a Cessna? It was a, a functional flying plane. Whoa. And you're like, you built an airplane? And he's like, yep. You want to go with me on my first flight? And you'd be like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> And look, this is not, this movie's not going to kill you. This movie's not going to cost you thousands of dollars. What we're talking about is an investment of time and whether or not this sort of throwback roughshod tied to history or tied to folklore experiment is worthy of the time you spend to watch it. I mean, what's it's free or whatever. If you have an Apple TV account, what's Apple TV plus. Yeah, and what's 90 minutes of your life to watch a movie, especially for your podcast review? Except I've now been living with this movie and researching this movie for two days. It's an investiture of time that I'm not sure was worth the effort. Wow. I mean, we talk about Pixar and you dogged on Soul, for God's sake, and Soul took years to make with cutting edge technology, not only to further or enhance the product, but also to streamline that product. You can imagine what something at the level of quality that Soul is if they had hand drawn animation for it. Well, that's the point. Doesn't Soul feel a little bit disconnected? Doesn't Soul feel a little bit a product of the Disney machine? Whereas Wolf Walkers at least suggests that there's some real craftsmanship and a personal point of view in this story? Only if it's tied to that craftsmanship at the end of the day. If you put Paloma in front of the TV and ask her to choose between Wolf Walkers and Soul, she's 100% choosing Soul, Mm. maybe, I think. Mm. I don't know. Mm. But from a, a rounded, experienced adult perspective, you have to factor in, dude, but it was hand-drawn. Dude, but it was painstakingly rendered. But it, it was blah, blah, blah. Where And you're like, oh, okay, but so? <laughs> the point is it takes just as long for this painstaking hand-drawn animation as it would a Pixar film, but the results are different. And the results, I'm asserting, has to be tied to the process. This is like artisanal animation. Is this like craft animation? It certainly seems to have a point of view. A strangely flat, hastily scribbled point of view. 17th century Ireland wasn't exactly like all polish and clean lines. (laughs) Again, you're tying it to history and themes. (laughs) It did not feel inappropriate to the story. And I get it. There were some times where it confused me. But there was really great use of color, like they blend color in ways that I think you can't quite achieve in computer animation. You know, it had this kind of watercolor feel where things don't stay perfectly in the lines, but isn't it there are actually zero straight lines or solid edges in the world, in life? Okay, that makes sense. And no no, no actual foods are blue. (laughs) Even blueberries are like green inside and purple or something. I don't know, dude. I feel I'm feeling like uh, it's telling that you're stuck on the animation because it's not even letting you think about or like, did it prohibit you from enjoying the story? No, it just prohibited me from being fully immersed. Someone said during one of the interviews that they loved this movie because it reminded them of a book come to life. And I think that's very fitting because this style of animation would be perfect 
for a kid's book, even a long-form kid's book or a series of kid's books. When it's animated and you're supposed to believe, it's a little bit harder for me to do. I understand what you're saying, so let's get into the, the, the issues of the story, because it was a very simple story. The girl defies her father, goes out, and, and develops a deeper understanding, which she brings back to people. There's conflict until ultimately there's a deeper understanding. And her father, you know, literally is, is brought on board with the ideas that his daughter is fostering now. Yeah, they kind of skirted or suppressed the whole vampire connection. They were like, well, you're not really supposed to bite people and turn them into wolf walkers. But in this case, <laughs> werewolf like... connection. <laughs> right. And look, so we're keeping let's keep it in perspective and keep it a kid themed movie. I got no problem with that. What I have a problem with was what they tried to sort of pull over. And the friendship between the girls was great. They had a, um, a montage where they were romping and that was all beautiful. And they and they formed a connection and they bridged the bond that had driven the Irish and the English apart if they ever had a bond to begin with. All good stuff. But um, the biting thing was strange. And then we had the subplot of flipping the scene and having Robin, who is now a wolf, have to re-infiltrate her own house, her own home, to get back where she was the infidel now, right? Right. And Robin also has to turn against Mabe ostensibly for her own good, but right. kind of against her better judgment. She was more meek and scared, and they had the... The sort of subplot of releasing the mom from her cage. I don't know why Lord Protector felt the need to keep her in the cage or to what end. Well, he wanted to show the townsfolk that he had tamed the wolf, Control. right? But he hadn't really. I mean, she. why was she being, was she being tamed? Because, I mean, I would get it if she was like, all right, I'll be a good wolf if you right. like spare my daughter. But there was no like agreement or anything. Right. He's, he's like, I've to prove I've tamed the wolf who's in the cage. And if she wasn't in a cage, she'd rip me apart. Why, if Robin is so, is so immediately charmed or at least comes to understand the wolves after a bite, which doesn't do her any for any harm other than giving her the ability to see, and I guess to be a wolf at night, right? Why not bite everybody? Maybe why not bite the Lord Protector or run around, just nip everybody in the crowd so people understand? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Like they, they kind of just did away with the question early on with Mabe saying, yeah, my mom says like, don't really bite anybody. That's bad. And we were supposed to kind of accept that. <laughs> Fine. But when Goodfellow is forced to get a hold of the rogue Peppermint Patty Wolf and mom snaps at him, you're like, ah, here it is. You can see, which he doesn't, which they also suppress. And you see the gleam in his eye of the wolves running through the forest. But he doesn't understand until he's forced to understand that his kid, Robin, is running around as a wolf. And even then... He's like, I don't understand. And I'm like, yes, I'm yelling at the screen. Yes, you do. You can see now. And what was obviously coming was the device of him becoming the wolf, fully embracing everything his daughter is talking about to defeat the Lord Protector. Yeah, but he was so resistant to it until... Was it that he consciously resisted it until it came time where he needed to, to become Teen Wolf and win the basketball game? Or... Well did they just save his transformation for when it served the story best? Well, I, I I don't think... Well, first of all, he doesn't know how to wolf out, right? This is new to him. But Goodfellow is the state huntsman or whatever. He was the Lord Protector's number one wolf hunter dude. 
you are no hunter. That's a big turn for him to make. From like hunting and trapping wolves is like my life to I'm going to I'm going to be sympathetic and empathetic to my my prey. Yeah, you are no hunter. And as a matter of fact, Kelly said early in the movie when Robin goes out on her own and is trying to find the bird. Kelly said she's not a very good hunter. (laughs) She's pretty irresponsible when she goes out to find the bird. But wasn't that that was awful when she shot the falcon? It was pretty bad. Yeah, it was terrible. And then. The wolf, but the falcon's okay. Oh, yeah, but so how come the falcon doesn't turn into a wolf? Well, she didn't bite. It wasn't a wolf-tainted arrow. Oh, yeah, it's the bite, not the healing part. Mm-hmm. Right, Because all because but that was part of the convention. It was like, why, don't, why not just bite people's limbs? Uh-oh, you're caught? Just escape. Uh-oh, she was shot? Just heal her. Like, it was very convenient. Mm. Yeah, you know what was also really convenient? The ending. I mean... Were they, was like Sean Bean, like all up on Mama Wolf? Like they were just one big happy family then? It was just implied that they were naturally going to fall in love. Right. The redheads, man. A little little convenient. And they did their dances with wolves, moving on to the next settlement thing where they could live their wolfy life. Yeah, kind of strangely drawn, like in a horse-drawn carriage. Like why wouldn't you just be on a dog sled? A dog sled? With wolves. A dog sled. I get it. Do you have a newfound respect for wolves after having watched Wolf Walkers? Sure. And the Irish. (laughs) The Irish struggle is real, but I'm not sure if I want to carry the burden of Irish oppression into my cartoons. I would be excited to watch Wolf Walkers with Paloma. She took a surprising amount from Spirited Away that we could talk about. And I think that this is one of those, I think it's a great movie to um, inspire imagination and to foster that spirit of adventure and wildness. It's a nice story and it's an interesting execution that's maybe a little refreshing after kind of um, the polished and more computer generated look of Pixar movies. I mean, I wasn't terribly excited about watching Wolf Walkers when you suggested it, but now that I've seen it, I'm glad I did. And I give Wolf Walkers a good. No, no, no. You said you were excited to watch Wolf Walkers again, asterisk, with Paloma. But would you watch it on your own again for the sheer enjoyment? Um, No, but there are, no. Um, there are a few movies that I would. And that's the point. There are lots of movies that I would. We compared it to The Last Unicorn, which you watched endlessly. And maybe haven't since you were an adult. So maybe this movie, Wolf Walkers, is exactly for you and for Paloma. Not so much for me. I liked it for what it was, but I was put off by a little bit of the sort of rough-hewn animation and execution. I'm going to give it a whatever, because that is, I, may I remind you, sort of my criteria. Would To clear the bar, would I watch it again for the sheer enjoyment? In this case, the answer is no. Wow. I don't think uh, Kelly's going to be happy with this one. Okay, I'm sorry. I love you. That's our review on Wolf Walkers, an Apple original film available on Apple TV+. Plus. You know, it's nice to be right. <laughs> Especially about an animated film for once. Poster quote. Hit us up. Leave us a voicemail, 818-835-0473. Let us know why you think I am right about our review on Wolf Walkers or whatever movies at gmail.com, Instagram, at or whatever movies, a whatever from Wes, a good from Iris. Jim Cummings would be proud. Yeah, definitely pair listening to this review with uh, one of my favorites, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. 
We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast Networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electricast.